0: Yes, this episode starts off with another Costa Rica connection. While sitting around the breakfast table at Blue Spirit in Osara, Costa Rica one morning on a retreat in December of 2021, my friend Tom turned to me and quietly said, Hey, you know Leslie? Yes, I replied. Did you know she was an X Games snowboard athlete and had videos of her snowboarding on the internet? No way, man. Little Leslie? Yeah, dude, For sure. Leslie Glenn may not be six feet tall, but she is a vibrant and incredible human to be around. Her smile is infectious, everyone around her without her saying a word, and she is a person who seeks to to surround herself with people that provide good energy and strive for a beautiful life for themselves and for the world around them. It's always amazing to me what we do not know about people just by looking at their cover. She began her snowy life on skis, but transitioned to snowboarding to learn something new. While in college at University of Vermont, she took a yoga class for credit, and from that point forward, yoga became a staple in her life. Initially, using the practice to help her professionally with strength and flexibility, she soon found that deeper layers of her body were being transformed. She is now a certified yoga instructor and leads various teacher trainings, retreats, and other amazing events to help people around her find balance, calm, and peace in their daily lives. She has focused her recent yoga teachings around helping all of us to find ways to slow the pace in our lives down, lessen the worry and stress we carry in our bodies, and find ways to seek more joy around us. I'm so excited to have Leslie on this episode. I cannot wait to talk travel, yoga, and wellness. Make sure to follow her on Instagram at Leslie Glenn and give her website a visit at www.leslieglennyoga.com. You can find more information on her teaching retreats and also sign up for her newsletter there. How are you?
1: Hi, Tyler. I'm doing well. Um, enjoying a rainy afternoon in Colorado.
0: Oh, it's rainy. I was I was going to ask what the what the weather was like there right now. Has it been really hot this summer?
1: You know, um, I live in the mountains at 9,600 feet. Oh, so wow! It's hot for us is relative. Like <laughs> you know, it never really gets above the 80s. Yeah. Um, but it's it's really pleasant actually.
0: Yeah, that, does, that is a pretty good temperature range. Does it get cold during the winter?
1: Yes, uh, pretty cold um, during the winter. Although, you know, Colorado has a ton of sun um, in between the rain and snow showers. So because we're also at high altitude, it's, if it's sunny, it feels so much warmer uh, than the actual temperature um, reads, Yeah. You could say.
0: Yeah. um, Well, so kind of along that that same line, normally I like to have guests kind of paint a picture of where they are just so the people that are listening can kind of picture it. So can Mm -hmm. you just sort of either describe like your immediate space or even just kind of like describe the geographical area where you are? Uh, Sure. Um,
1: I'm in Breckenridge, Colorado. So I'm looking out the window at the 10 mile mountain range, um, where Breckenridge ski resort is. I can see some of the runs and the ski lift. Oh, wow. And, um, I'm in my house, uh, with some plants and, uh, you know, kind of the room, my office slash yoga room. I like to call it.
0: It sounds um, very nice and relaxing. Yeah. Good. So, um, <clears throat> I know this was this uh, was said in the intro, but we met in Costa Rica last mm-hmm. December, so December of twenty twenty one, on a yoga retreat in Nosara, Costa Rica, with uh, a joint. We both have a, a the same teacher, Yoga Rupa Rod Striker, um, and it was you know it's. I've had a few guests on and and I've talked in the past a lot about yoga retreats and, you know, kind of the effect of them and the people you meet. But I think um, this situation is very interesting because, um, you know, I think it was maybe half or two-thirds of the way through the week of the yoga retreat uh, that we'll we'll talk about this, but it it came about that you had a, a video on YouTube of you going crazy on the slopes, snowboarding, um, which led to kind of your fame in snowboarding. But so it's, you know, I think the, it's, it's really neat, the typical retreat kind of makeup of people where, um, you know, you're in this intimate setting with people, but it's a very low key affair. And, um, there's a lot to people that kind of just sneaks out sometimes. And, um, so so yeah so that's where we met um but what I'd like to do just to start is maybe sort of back up to your childhood and growing up um and we can you know lead on into your years of fame and you're still famous but um, <laughs> so where where was it that you that you grew up where did you spend your childhood
1: I actually grew up in Ohio outside of Cleveland oh. in the suburbs Um, We didn't, my family was really into skiing, so I started skiing really young, and eventually that led to me snowboarding, but um, for the first, you know, eight years or something, I was on on skis, and my um, traveling both to, like, places locally, like Boeing, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, and our local Ohio resort, um, which were much smaller, um, but also out west. So um, I was, yeah, I had a, a wonderful traveling, travel-loving and skiing-loving family who, you know, kind of introduced me to the snow and to the mountains and to um, all the magic of, of sliding down the mountain. Yeah.
0: As well. yeah. Now, were your par- were your parents from Ohio or like, how did they get into skiing?
1: So they are um, both from Pennsylvania originally, Johnstown um, and Pittsburgh area. Okay. And um, <laughs> they, you know, they started somehow, some way, I actually need to ask them this. They got into seeing in their um, kind of late 20s. So they weren't seeing from a young age. That wasn't something they were into, but they started um getting involved with some ski clubs that would like do different trip places and they met a lot of great friends that they're still friends with to this day oh, wow. and um, th- that we went on ski trips on with the whole family um, as we got older as well. So yeah, it, it about um, what when I was in junior high, well, a little younger, when I was like 13, 12, 13, um, I was um, part of like a local um ski club and we would go to the mountain like one evening a week the mountain was open at night and um all my friends were total beginners Mm -hmm. in skiing and I didn't have anyone to really like ride the more advanced runs with because I was pretty good at this time so that's when I picked up snowboarding and I, I just fell in love with it
0: so what were there more people snowboarding, or or did you start snowboarding because at that point it was maybe like generally speaking more of a beginner? You know, snowboarding maybe wasn't quite as popular as it is today. So how how did like where I mean, did s-
1: it was mostly because I was a beginner at it. Yeah, yeah, that's, so yeah. I could okay. hang out on the the same runs as my friends right. who were learning to ski, and I also had some friends that were just learning to snowboard. So you know, and it wasn't I I was not successful right away of course I was like oh I can see I'll just hop on a board and I'll (laughs) I'll just be able to do it and the first few times were rough like it was definitely a learning curve of process but once I got um the basics down um it was just uh you know it just kept progressing from there and I wanted to do it as much as possible so I kept getting better and um you know, spending more time in the mountain and starting to do local competitions. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah, it just sort of all developed um, from there.
0: Now, um, when when you were growing up with your family, um, you said you guys used to travel a little bit. Was it primarily just in, in the U.S. or was there much travel outside of the U.S. that you did it when you were younger?
1: Um, when I was younger, mostly in the U.S. I have gone on some international trips with them, but... Usually it wasn't for skiing or snowboarding. Okay. It was, you know, and it was a little, you know, I, I think a little later when I was, you know, later teens, we went to Spain. And my parents are huge world travelers. They've been to oh. all five continents. Um, so they instilled that in mm. me at a young age for sure. And um, then when I um, started, so I, I ended up going to uh, University of Vermont for. Oh, yeah. Um, for college the catamounts that's actually where i really blossom right? as a snowboarder i was on the snowboard team and i um was just like i had more access to like lots of terrain and half pipe was one of my specialties they had a great half pipe and um so that's where things really took off um and then after that is when i moved to breckenridge um once i was graduated and um you know just was snowboarding every day and, Um, that's where I started to kind of do more big time events, um, and, uh, national events and then eventually international events and, you know, get sponsors and, and be able to travel, yeah, places all over the world, which was an amazing opportunity.
0: So there is a big leap you have to make from, uh, taking a snowboard down a trail to taking a snowboard down a half pipe. Oh, yeah. So (laughs) do you recall when, like, one, how old were you kind of when you took that first run down the half pipe? But do you you have any memories of kind of the feelings that were going through you when you're standing up? I mean, I'm sure it wasn't a gigantic half pipe that you Mm -hmm. started with. But, I mean, nonetheless, like, even a small half pipe on your first few times has to be big. Do you remember the feelings of that?
1: Yeah, it was. Totally nerve wracking, and you know, you kind of like are fully alive. Every every sensation in your body. Um, I think it actually, I probably got into the half pipe and jumped a little sooner, being in at the small resort. You know, because you kind of like you you easily kind of did all the runs, and you're kind of like, what's next? Okay. You know, whereas if maybe I grew up in Colorado, I would have just kept exploring you know, different terrain, because the resorts are so much bigger. So I think there was just a point where, you know, I was like, following my friends, and they were um, a lot better than me. And, you know, they encouraged me and I was young and brave. And I, I just really, really uh, took to it, I guess you could
0: say. Yeah, how did you make the uh, how, I mean, how did you become sort of competitive in it? I mean, were there coaches for you when you were younger? I mean, how how did you really you know, learn how to do it all?
1: Pretty, you know, it's it's definitely a lot different these days. I feel like now there is a lot of um, programs for kids coming up to get involved in like snow sports and in freestyle snow sports, um, whereas back then it was more racing and stuff. So it was more I, until I got to college and was on the snowboard team, it was more just like you know, riding with my friends and cheering each other on. And I had a couple of friends who were amazing riders and actually already traveling nationally. Um, so like just learning tips from them and, and taking progressive steps along the way. Like the first time I dropped in the half type, I just did turns, you know, kind of up the wall and then you work your way up the wall, you get higher and then you end up airing out, you know, once you've kind of gained your confidence and, and taken all the, the steps
0: to progress. When I've skied my whole life, I mean, we have photos of me with my dad. Based, I think, I think it was actually a dock line from our sailboat. This was, you know, in the early 80s when kids didn't wear helmets for anything, and you know, we were indestructible back then. Um, but there's, you know, there's, there's, I've skied my whole life, but I think for me, I I never even had the nerve to like do a helicopter off of a jump. Like the biggest trick I ever did was a, was a, uh, maybe a spread Eagle or some little mini Daffy. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, as some now, and, and I thought for a, a short time, there was a couple winners that I, I worked and I'm using the term work loosely, but worked at a, at a, uh, like ski sailboat tennis kind of store here locally in Syracuse. And, um, I thought for a little while, I was like, oh, you know, maybe I'd really want to try snowboarding. And this is when I had started, uh, ski racing when I was in high school, uh, I was like, Oh, I you know, maybe I, I had a few friends that, that snowboarded. And I'm like, I, and I never actually did it. I think partially cause I was probably too afraid to actually do it. Cause it, I mean, it looks really rough if you fall the wrong way. Like it looks, I mean, you're not popping out of your bindings. Um, but so, you know, so I never did it. So it's, you know, it's always amazing to me, people that, um, especially with things that I can relate to, like skiing, snowboarding, sailing, that sort of stuff. when, when I you know meet somebody or talk to somebody about that jump, I mean, I mean, at, at some point there's there's a there's a point where you just say, oh, screw it, here we go, and you just shove off <laughs> and you go, you know. Um, and I mean, you you can sit at the top of the run or, or sit on the dock at the marina all your life, and you you know you can wax your snowboard and you or, and your skis, and you can you know wash your boat or you can, you know, push off and and make your way down the trail. And I mean, it's it's you know it's it's amazing to me when people when people do it. So, when um, did you go to UVM uh, w- with the intent to be on the snowboard team, or did you go there just because it was in the mountains and kind of cl- close-ish to home? I guess compared to going out west.
1: I mean, a little of both. Um, I knew they had a snowboard program. I actually just really loved this school and I I definitely prioritized all the schools that I were at the top of my list were places where I could snowboard um, because it was just such a passion of mine and I knew that it would just, you know, totally like tear me apart or break my heart not to be somewhere where I could at least snowboard. And then it kind of like just, happened um naturally you know i like that with the snowboard you know team it's you know we had a, you know we kind of like it sort of was growing and building like as i was in school so i sort of grew and built with it if that makes sense
0: yeah because i that was i was going to ask like back when when you were there what was it like for women in the sport
1: um there you know was like some really amazing pioneers um, of women in the sport that paved the way for, for me, for sure. Um, I think there was definitely like a stronger male presence, but I kind of, I feel like my generation that came in, we had a lot of great influences and a lot of great peers to, to help us and, and, um, and just make it a lot of fun. I mean, and that's the thing about competing in snowboarding. It's, you're really just trying to have your best run every day. And yes, you get ranked on a scale, but everyone's also invested in progressing the sport, especially like in those early days. So you like, if someone who is your competitor does like a a new trick that's never been done before in women's snowboarding, like everyone's cheering, you're all like really excited because you're like on that cusp of like everyone is, progressing the sport in a positive way and 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 to know what it's possible
0: yeah it must be really cool to sort of be a part of something um on, on that level you know i mean it's i mean i guess when you're you know growing up and in high school i think all sports are that way but when you get to a point where you are on such a big stage or a growing stage um like the energy between people has to be like really really crazy So from um, so from UVM, you moved out west. Was that right from college to out out to Breckenridge?
1: Yep. Yep. I actually technically moved um, my final semester because I only had one project to finish, which I instead of finishing during the whole semester, that was like winter, you know, the final winter semester. I snowboarded every day (laughs) (laughs) And and then like a week before it was due. Um, I like crammed and got it done and you know and then went back to walk for graduation so um, I sort of like I was I was ready you know I was just ready to take it to the next step and you know it, it was also a little unusual to graduate college and just move to the mountains after earning a college degree so there was definitely a little bit of convincing you know i think my parents called it like my year off at first and then <laughs> like and then they realized like it was a few years in and i'm yeah. still like and i was really building a snowboard career and they kind of like finally got it you know once they saw my pictures in magazines or could tune in and see the x games or the Do tour or these big events that um i was able to be a part of
0: Okay. So now we're kind of at sort of the heart of why I started this podcast like years and years ago. Um, so in, in some more detail, can you kind of explain how you started to build this snowboarding career? Like, what was it like when you moved out, when you moved out West, not really knowing anybody, you know, obviously coming from UVM and snowboarding in college, I guess, you know, to some extent, maybe you knew some people, but you know, chasing a dream and really actually acting upon it and doing it, it is, I mean, that's as big as taking the first run down the half pipe, maybe bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I, how did that all come together?
1: Um, I, you know, I had a group of friends who were all like my snowboard crew and, you know, we made videos back in the day, VHS tapes of us <laughs> all riding. And, um, you know, uh, we were like, of of several of us moved out to Breckenridge at the same time. So it was really nice to have that security net of friends from college that I love to hang out with and um, snowboard with every day. And then also just the um, community of snowboarding back. Um, So that was, I graduated in 2002 from UVM. So, you know, early 2000s um, was, the people who were out there every day and riding the half type, riding the park, it was a pretty tight knit crew. Mm-hmm. So I really was welcomed in and, you know, I, there was famous, you know, pro riders that were part of that group. There was just people who loved to ride, you know, the half type in the park. There are people who just love to ride the mountain, And, um, we all hung out together and, you know, um, rode on the mountain and, you know, you know, hung out afterwards. And, um, traveled together to different ski resorts and, and really made the best of it.
0: What were you doing for money at that point? Like, how did you quantify it?
1: Yeah. So I started working at the Breckenridge Brewery um, the first year I moved out here. And they were amazing throughout my whole career because there's, you know, only there's an off season with snowboarding and there's also um you know, a lot of like downtime and sometimes, you know, you win a contest and you get like winnings and sometimes you don't. So, you know, there was definitely a stretch of years in there where, you know, I was always, I always had that um, position waiting tables um, and a really cool um, like group of people I worked with there who also loved snowboarding and totally got it when I had to go out of town and would were able to like, work my schedule around it and um yeah so i i i had that to like kind of fall back on whenever i needed it
0: and so how did it turn from like this is really cool this is my life like i'm young i've just graduated college i'm getting by to becoming something that is like i mean professional like where was the gap between like how did how how do you um, go from that to x games
1: You know, at first, you know, it was basically like my waiting tables was just helping me and the schedule was really flexible too. So it was just helping me snowboard every day and just get better and better and better and progress. And then it took a few years for sure for me to, you know, in this kind of bigger um, resort area and like get um, getting in and to be able to get into bigger events and things, um, I had to sort of build up a resume and I even had like a snowboarding resume that said, like, here are my like regional results. Here are my like, here's like some photos, like here's a video, you know. So um, I sort of spent those first um, handful of years really building that up. And then um, I started to get some good results in some of the bigger events, the Grand Prix, which were Olympic qualifiers and still are um, at the time. And snowboarding was just getting into Olympics. Mm. Um, you know, it was just like, I think 98 was the first year it was in. So um, I was able to, you know, just kind of network and, and um, get some sponsors that helped support me. And then eventually the sponsors would help with both travel costs um, and uh, just the financial part piece of it, just allowing me to both have the equipment I needed, like, lots of snowboards and because when you're snowboarding that much you go through quite a few snowboards even in one season and um you know the clothing and all the gear and then also um you know money to help support me
0: so when you started doing all this um were you try did your travel start to really increase both like throughout the ui i mean how did how does that get determined? Like, where, do you, who says you're traveling here and there? And was that determined by you or sponsors? How does that all work?
1: You know, it's a combination. Um, there's, like, certain events, like World Cups, um, um, that are, the Grand Prix Series is a part of, that you're invited to um, by the U.S. team. So, like, those ones, you sort of have to get, like, you have to get the call. You know, you have to be like, all right, we're putting a group together. And like we have a spot for you if you want to be there. Um, what's that like when there, you get
0: when you get that call? Sorry to cut you off, but like, I mean, what was it like when you first started? Where you, you know, you've you've snowboarded. You're just a little girl from Ohio. Uh, like, what is what's that feeling like when you know, you get a call and they're like, "Hey, we want you to go to wherever."
1: It's amazing. I mean, especially because it's a dream come true. You know, yeah. like I. Like, you know, snowboarding was my passion. I mean, I still am very passionate about it, but especially at that time, you know, it was just like, it had my heart and soul um, wrapped in it so deeply that it was amazing to be able to follow this path and to, to take, you know, to get these calls. And, you know, um, Games is another one that's invite only. So, you know, you'd get like an email or a call that yeah. you were in and it was like the best feeling in the world. And then other events you would qualify with your results. So you might, you know, be able to get into, you know, a certain national event because you had a regional um, top finish. Or um, you might, you know, your sponsor might be, really want you to go to a certain event at a certain place because they have some sort of, um, you know, connection there or they're part of the event. So it's, it's very it's there's not like just one way and it it has a lot of variety and and different angles but um it was a lot of fun and it's definitely a dream come true yeah
0: I have I have two questions and they're they're sort of the same but I I think there might be a different answer so um where was like out of all the places that you went to snowboard where was in like in your opinion where was like the coolest place that that you went to Or coolest my event, two, like what? Like what was yeah, the coolest? Yeah, my
1: two favorite, my two favorite places to snowboard ever. One was for an event, and one was just for powder because I love just like riding fresh powder. It's like the heart and soul of snowboarding. <laughs> um, so for the powder, it was it's Japan, like and it's really, the hands down, they get the best snow, and it just like t- tons of fresh snow, like um, during like this. They call it Japanuary. In early February, because it's like just epic there. Wow. So I love, love, and it's, and the culture is so amazing too. So you get all the like amazing food and just, you know, the, 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 the like different places you visit and, and the um, way you, you travel on the bullet trains and everything. Love Japan. And then my favorite event I ever did was, um, the European Open, it was at a resort in Switzerland called Loch. and it is just the most amazing, beautiful, um, kind of like Swiss Alps, picturesque um, place, and they always have an amazing event, an amazing halfpipe, and park, and they um, and usually really good snow too, so on our time off, we could like just explore the mountain and, and check it all out.
0: That's really cool, yeah. Switzerland, in, I mean, I love watching the Warren Miller films, and Switzerland always just the way that they film it, and it just seems to be like, especially during the winter time. Just a, I'm yeah, sure during the like summer it's beautiful trams, too.
1: Like even to get to like our course, like we had to take three trams. at um, Oh wow! Because it's way at the top of the mountain, <laughs> like this particular one, which is just so cool
0: yeah that's wild now my second question sort of along the same lines and you may have the same answer but uh is 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 there like one sort of moment that sticks out in your mind from all of the travel and all the places that you went to like was there one morning that you were just up on the mountain, it was quiet you know is, is there any like time that 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 is just kind of cemented in your mind that you kind of Go back to periodically?
1: It's almost more of like a feeling. Yeah. Um, and it's just that feeling you get when you're like in the flow, like state. You know, you okay. are either, and it happens in the half pipe when you're just having the run of your life, and yeah. you almost get to the bottom and you don't even have like a perfect memory of it. It's just all a blur, but like everything just aligned in that moment. And it happens like riding amazing terrain or or, um, powder or um, just like looking out at the views and just kind of feeling really grateful um, there. It's like a deep presence and a a, a feeling that I would say it's not like I can think of one time it happened. It was was like always kind of um, in those really special moments.
0: Yeah, no, that's a great answer. Absolutely. So as so, how long did you do the? How long were you a professional snowboarder for?
1: So um, I so I took a few years to kind of really kind of transition from kind of regional um, kind of like aspiring pro to pro. So probably from about um, 2005 until um, when did I stop? It was like what's today? Till about the 2000 like 13. Wow. So
0: pretty long stretch. Yeah, that's a really long time.
1: Yeah.
0: Was there any point at which you kind of started, like I'm sure there were, but um, times that there was burnout or, you know, that were just like a struggle to kind of keep going with it or was it just always just a really deep-seated passion that you were just like, this is magic, I can't
1: believe I'm doing this? You know, I always had the passion for like the progression and like, the actual snowboarding part, I would sometimes get burnt out on, like, just back-to-back events mm-hmm. or commitments. Um, just, you know, you know, there's, like, a Vegas trade show that's now in Denver that, like, you'd have to go, like, from one event, and often it was, like, a big one, like, X Games, like, Straight there, and just kind of, like, be in the booth uh, with your sponsors yeah. and stuff. And that <laughs> kind of stuff definitely kind of burned me out a little bit. But when I was able to really be in it and just... And even um sometimes like being away from home for like too long i would crave to be back here so i could just kind of like keep like learning new things and not feel like i was stagnant in some way sure um but overall um you know the passion the actual fire for for the sport and for um You know what I did was always
0: there. Yeah. Now it seems you know today the fitness aspect of of sports is so huge. You know, there's trainers and you're doing all these fitness regimens and um, diet and all of that. Was that a big part of of your life back then, or?
1: You know, it it came it it started at the beginning. It wasn't you know, snowboarding was still kind of on the fringe a little bit, and it was still. Cowboys. There's like a, a little bit of a party scene and it wasn't like as um kind of accepted, you know, that it was like the, the fitness side and the sports side. But, you know, I actually learned through having injuries and also and going through PT and also just, you know, noticing um, you know, that my um, you know, capacity would be greater when I took better care of myself, when I slept mm-hmm. better, when I ate better when I was more conscious about these things, I definitely learned that through those years. The early part, I was, you know, <laughs> got more kind of sucked into the, the scene of it. Yeah. And then, you know, kind of as we all do. As we sure. Get older.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So when, when did yoga, how, how did you find yoga and when did that kind of become a part of your life?
1: So I, um, actually took my first yoga class at UVM as like an elective. Oh,
0: wow. That's cool. Yeah.
1: And, um, Ironically, someone told me it would help my snowboarding. So I don't remember who that person was, but it totally did in so many oh. ways. Um, and I'm grateful for, for that um, connection. So I took the yoga class and I loved it. I would say those like college years and the early years, I was more of just like a dabbler in yoga. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't really, you know, I, I would go to classes here and there or do, you know, some poses here and there, but I wasn't um, deep into the practice. But um, it actually became, once I moved out to Colorado, a huge part of my kind of cross training, I guess you could call oh, wow. it, or, yeah. you know, just um, overall health and well-being. Um, it, you know, when I was, my body was tired and sore and just like, you know, kind of really um, worked from from training and, and riding all day. You know, yoga was this wonderful thing. Um, complement to that in the physical practice. But then I also really um, began to find that I could get into the breath and really calm my mind and my nerves and be really present. Um, and that's kind of what turned me onto to the more meditative side of yoga. And, you know, it was an amazing tool, like when I was traveling and just feeling like I needed some grounding and some connection or is at the top of the half pipe and really nervous because I wanted to do my best, you know, to be able to breathe and calm myself down and really get centered. Um, you know, that's when that's when the magic happens. That's when your best runs happen. When you can let that exterior go and really connect with your potential.
0: How did through through your yoga practice, going from you know the the kind of physical kind of the the entryway for most people in, into the world of yoga? How did you start to realize the like the real well, let I me mean, this is probably not the right way to say it, but the real benefits, like the the deeper benefits of yoga than just, you know, the physical. Did it did it just sort of happen to you? Was it a, was it a, a teacher or a class? Kind of how to, how did you start to realize, you know, the power of the breath and calming the nervous system and all of that sort of stuff?
1: You know, it was almost an experiential thing where I would like experience that in classes, you know, I had, um, you know, one of my early teachers, Amy Sabreen, you know, when she would cue the breath and mm. cue, like, I would almost feel like I could get into like that flow state through the asana practice, just with some breath. And then it just kind of triggered something in me that made me want to explore more about the more meditative sides of yoga. And honestly, it was all, I was just like, it was an intuitive sense that I was like, I need this to be part of what I'm doing and then I just kept exploring you know different things you know we had a local teacher who did a pranayama workshop that was really amazing and then you know I started to just you know kind of seek out more um in-depth practices and it wasn't until I was actually kind of waning like that um I always knew I, I probably wanted to kind of you know dive deeper and take some some deeper trainings um but it wasn't really till i had the space after um competing sort of wound down that i i really took that dive
0: and as your professional snowboarding career started to slow down is that when you kind of invested more time in in yoga what when did you Mm -hmm. become a teacher and kind of pursue that path
1: yeah I, i the the a year I stopped competing that summer I took a yoga teacher training and um, it was an amazing experience and I was one of those people who's like I'm not sure if I'm going to teach mm-hmm. but I yeah, just I want think to we have, take this I think I'm most of us are it. that way <laughs> I know and then it's so funny because now I'm a full time yoga teacher so it's um, it's been an amazing journey and um, two um, two of my uh, original teacher training um, you know teachers they um, were students of, of Yoga Rupa, Rob Stryker. So they introduced me after we finished the training. Um, I went to my first um, para yoga training, mm. and that led me right on the path. And it was just, I was I was in it, you know, from yeah. there on.
0: Yeah, I remember when, um, and not to make this all about this, but I remember it was... Um, so the first yoga retreat we did with him was right before the pandemic in 2019. And I had sort of just found him through another teacher of mine, Kevin Courtney and, and also Brennan Matthews actually. And I was so excited to go to study with him in, in Costa Rica. And that, you know, there've been a couple kind of pivotal points in the, the shaping of my adulthood. Um, one was a yoga retreat with Amy Wren during my teacher training, which, completely transformed my experience of teacher training. Um, But then that first yoga retreat with Yoga Rupa in in Costa Rica, I left there and it was, you know, that was a week of yoga nidra and meditation, some asana practice, you know. um, But it was, I mean, it was just to really dive deep into the effect of the breath and, um, you know, really trying to understand the different layers of the body and how every one of our actions affects, you know, mm-hmm. at all of our interactions with the with ourselves and with the world around us. You know, really, like you know, the yamas and the niyamas, really, mm-hmm. truly living. It's it's just an amazing experience. So, now, what type of yoga are you? What's your kind of like focus now? Is it is it general asana? Like asana? What where have you kind of gone with it?
1: You know, I teach a a big variety of classes, everything from restorative and yoga nidra to, you know, like a more kind of a line and flow style that's similar to like asana practices um, that have a kind of energetic theme um, that you might remember from, or you might, you know, from para yoga. So it's, it's everything in between. I also um, teach uh, our, the teacher training that I started with, I'm now a teacher on oh, wow. um, one of the lead teachers on. So I teach a lot of the philosophy stuff through that um, outlet, um, you know, all the all the good stuff um, that you don't always get in the regular classes. And I love teaching pranayama and meditation as well. So I I like variety in my practice. And I that reflects
0: in my teaching schedule. I've got a little of everything. Yeah. Now, I and behind you looks like you have a yoga wall, right? In your own. Yeah, apartment. I, teach at a, yeah. A, I do teach at a um, crystal
1: massage and healing arts. That I, I have a, on yoga wall. Yeah. Yeah. This one's personal,
0: but. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. So, how did the um during during the you know basically two years I guess we'll call it of the pandemic, you know how did that sort of alter your, you know, being a full-time yoga teacher, um, how did that sort of affect your practice, um, the way you approach yoga now? Like, what, what was the effect of that?
1: It definitely helped um, me, it, well, it pushed me to try some online format stuff, which I, I am grateful for during the time, but I'm also super grateful that I'm back in um, a more, like, yeah. <laughs> one-on-one situation right, no. right. or not one well sometimes one-on-one but
0: yeah you know, in person. person yeah yeah
1: um it my practice was at, you know through any kind of rough thought in my life is such a gift you know just to be able to practice and to you know be able to connect in the deep way that that yoga allows us to connect um was um you know, I I, I always through different, you know, places in my life have always leaned on that. Um, one thing I did want to mention um, about kind of I, I got triggered um, when you were talking about um, your journey a little bit um, to, to mention is, it's funny that intuitively, I was drawn to all these practices and felt the benefits as an athlete. But when I actually learned, like all of the like, depth of yoga philosophy and how to like release self-limiting beliefs mm-hmm. and to really step into your like own power and your own potential and all this stuff i was like wow like that's the kind of stuff i wish i knew more about even though i was right. doing some practices to stay calm and centered i definitely like see such a huge correlation between like these you know barriers you sometimes put in for, um, for ourselves. Um, and even though I was, I was able to get pretty far, I wonder, you know, what it would have looked like if I had a deeper understanding of, um, these deeper layers of the practice.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, when you said you started practicing yoga in college, just because you had the ability to take it as a class, I was super jealous. We were in college at the same time and, you know, yoga was, I, I, I'm not even, I'm not even sure I knew that it existed. And, you know, I, I, look back on it now and, you know, I've, since I started practicing, like I'll, you know, for months I'll be every day, you know, but then I'll, then I'll, then I'll stray and I, you know, and then I come back and I'm like, man, why did I ever stop? You know, life just gets in the way. It's not, it's not a purposeful conscious thing, but, um, you know, uh, sort of to, to, to your point, Amy Wren, who led my, you know, one, she's also, I consider her one of my teachers. She is the one who led my teacher training. But, you know, for the first two months of it, there were, I, I had a block up against it. And I was there and I was existing and I was like in the room, but I wasn't, it, you know, I, I wasn't really, I wasn't open to it. And then, um, came back from her yoga retreat which was it just so happened it was maybe two months into and it was my first time ever in costa rica and i've said this people are probably so tired of hearing this but like you know costa rica just come you know it just changed a lot in my life but i came back from that retreat and, and amy one of the classes during the week was a pranayama class and, and i that i just felt i fell in love with it so i came back and I was like, okay, you've got to get this meditation thing. So um I that was when I stumbled across um Headspace, the app. And and that for me, like that simple app was the game changer for me. And then, you know, between the the yoga retreat and that just kind of changed my total awareness of what yoga is. But I'm saying this to your point because I think uh starting to study with yoga rupa and really learning the teachings of yoga, like so far beyond the warrior poses and high crescent lunge. And, you know, just to really have somebody that has been, has been given the the teachings by his teacher and his teacher was given by his teacher to me, like, just like you said, there's so there's such a depth to it that has such a profound impact on our, on our lives and and on our world. Um, yeah. And it's just kind of, you know, it just kind of, and for me, it just sort of grabs a hold and super intriguing. Definitely. So, um, so what's, what's kind of, what's, what's the plan going forward? So back. Teachings back in full swing. Are you back leading mm-hmm. retreats? I saw that you, you know, pro, or maybe even kind of towards the end of the pandemic, you guys did a couple international retreats. Is that correct? Yeah. So um, I
1: was. Uh, I did a Portugal uh, trip to the Azores oh. um, this spring, and it list right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to. Yes. S- I want to
0: sail there someday. That's that's on my list of yeah. things to do. Yeah. Um. Huge. Yeah. It's
1: so cool. The, the their history in the sailing world. Um, So that was great. Um, I have postponed. I I usually do a a ski snowboard and then also yoga retreat um, to, it's a little more heavy on the ski snowboard side to Japan uh, every year. I've had to postpone it the last few years because they're not quite open for um, tourism yet for individual groups. Um, But hopefully we'll be back there someday um, because that's one of my favorite trips. Um, just to share that um, beautiful yeah. um, place and, and connection with with um, other people. Yeah, now I know. Yeah, and uh, I have Greece coming up. A uh, trip to Crete coming up
0: uh, this coming spring. Wow! Oh, that's so exciting. Um, I, I yeah. know that I have uh, at the very least uh, a few big skiers that um, listen to this. So if if they wanted to sort of keep track of let's just use the japan retreat as an example is there a way that they can um you know do, do you have a newsletter or is there some like it, what's the best way for them to yeah. kind of keep in touch and what you' with what you're doing
1: um I do have a newsletter and there's a sign up on my website it's leslie glenn with two N's. two ends yeah yeah and um yeah you can sign up for the newsletter there um that's where i um announce most of the um you know all my events and retreats and then there are some also just information about different events coming up um and classes if you're ever in Breckenridge and um want to want to come into a class or just get in touch you know there's a contact form there and um I'm on Instagram at at Leslie Glenn um just my name is my best page probably that I post on the most I also have a, a instagram where i post like nature videos and like nature sounds called the art of slowing down oh
0: i didn't know i didn't know that yeah. that's amazing
1: which is kind of a fun one yeah they're little like mini nature i call them nature medicine meditation yeah like 15 seconds of like oh, the babbling brook or yeah. like the or
0: <laughs> yeah oh i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to check that one out what was the name of it again the art of what
1: it's um you know it has it's the dot art Dot, of, dot, flowing, dot, Okay.
0: Down. So All right.
1: Like the art of flowing down with, you know, with dots between the, the words.
0: All right. Um, I need to, pl- I'm going to plug that one in right now just so I don't forget. Um, that's really cool. How did you get into doing that one?
1: You know, it's just, it's something I, I spend a lot of time in nature. It just like fuels my, my soul in so many ways. And I live in such a, you know, um, beautiful, wild place. So, I just started taking, you know, these short videos um, and calling them, actually, I think I started during the pandemic. It was like, you Uh. know, when we were all separated, um, I started um, posting these short videos that um, just, you know, were these little clips of nature that make you feel all zen and relaxed and, you know, like you are like you're on a hike yourself.
0: So. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, Leslie, thank you so much. It, it's been so great to catch up with you. Um, yes. Yeah, everybody make sure to check out our website uh, and I'll make sure in the show notes and all of that we have both Instagrams and the website. Um, but um, yeah, it's always a pleasure. It's so great. And thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Om Travelers. A huge thank you to Leslie for joining me. Make sure to find her at Leslie Glenn with two ends at the art of slowing down, and on her website www.leslieglennyoga.com. Thank you to Soul Rising for allowing us the use of his song "The Journey" for our intro and outro. You can find him wherever you find music, and as always. Don't forget to visit our website www.nostalgiachocolates.com for the show notes and of course to grab as much chocolate as your shopping cart can handle.